Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 103 of Crunch Time. I'm going to be your host of today's episode. I am Tanner Dislin, and as always, I am joined by Sam Godsey, and we are the N326 duo. It was an interesting weekend last uh, weekend of football for us in particular. I think we've had we've had better ones watching our teams play football, uh, but we got a great episode for you guys. A lot of college football talk. If you remember and tune into last uh, last week's episode, we talked about how great the college football slate is. So we are going to dive into that a little bit. We'll touch on the NFL. We'll talk about our favorite teams who. Yeah, not great for for our teams uh, this past weekend, but we'll get into all that later. Of course, we got our players of the week. Pick them. We will get an update on standings. And then we have some questions at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for all of that. But before we dive into the games and the wonderful week of football that we previously had, of course, we're going to start with winners and losers. As always, Sam, who's your winner? Yeah, there's a lot of winners this week, which we'll dive into later. I'm going to talk about an individual that kind of broke barriers when it came to the college football game, and that's Haley Van Voorhis. Sorry if I butchered your name, but she became the first woman non-kicker to appear in an SEC or an NCAA football game playing safety for Shenandoah University. There you go. Yeah. That's and she impressive. she recorded a hurry. I didn't didn't do much of, but still made on the field, made history on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I I wish I knew more about this the Shenandoah <laughs> game yeah. that took place. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely worthy of being a winner, breaking barriers, as you said, and record recording a hurry yeah. while at it. So, props to you. I'm not even going to try and pronounce your name. What was her first name? Haley. Props to you, Haley. Well done. Congrats on being the first uh, female NCAA player and that non-kicker. And that's that's pretty cool stuff. My winner of the episode, Sam, I hate to, to do this to you, uh, but my winner is actually going to be underdogs mm-hmm. because we had an interesting week in the NFL. Three, Ouch. <laughs> three heavily favored favorites ended up losing in their games. It was a disaster for all those in survivor pools, myself included, got knocked out this week. But the Texans, who were eight and a half point favorites to the Jaguar or eight and a half point underdogs, excuse me, to the Jaguars, won 37 to 17. The Colts, who were I think six and a half point underdogs to the Ravens, won 22 to 19 in overtime. And then the Cardinals, who were 12 and a half yeah, point yeah, underdogs yeah. against the Cowboys. It happened. They won their game 28 to 16. But we'll we'll dive more into that later. As we said, we're talking about our favorite teams. But yeah, so just uh, at the surface level, not a great weekend yeah. for favorites. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we had not even a starter uh, for the Cowboys. We had Gardner Minshew, who kind of has always been one of those guys, in my opinion, that just never got his opportunity. And uh, he took full advantage of it on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, you, Ravens had no answer for the, for Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania, baby, was, Minshew uh, mania. was up in Baltimore. And that's, you know, if he can get a spot. I mean, of course, we want Anthony Richardson to be as healthy as possible. But, yeah, maybe he showed uh, a few teams that are looking Minshew for a Minshew to the Jets? Minshew to the Jets, dude. 
People are Psych. saying it. It's Simeon time. Trevor Simeon? Yeah. Is, is he on the Jets? He just got signed today. What's going on? Is everybody broken live on the pod? I didn't even know that Trevor yeah. Simeon is now a New York Jet. So there you go. I mean, what? I We can get into this really quick, but there's just no way that that uh, Robert Sala can look at that locker room and continue to put out Zach Wilson. Yeah, you, you'd think, right? I mean, I, it's funny. I saw a, uh, I saw a TikTok today. It was a video of his pro day. Yeah, that the day, the day where uh, Zach Wilson fooled the world. <laughs> An Facts. absolutely elite pro day. Facts. The dude just sucks. Hate to see it. Yeah. Uh, well, let's transition to the negative side of things. Sam, who is your loser of this episode? Yeah. Um. <laughs> He was a big winner on the field, but not so much after. And that is Mr. Ryan Day. Um, he had a very interesting post-game comment. Uh, he called out uh, 86-year-old Lou Holtz saying, I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team, I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio. It's always been Ohio against the world, and it will continue to be Ohio against the world. Wow. I love that effort. It was, I mean, what's his spot on? I've seen it. It was spot on. I appreciate it. I opened up Twitter and I saw someone through this. Why is Ryan Day yelling at me? Yeah. (laughs) Felt like he was yelling at us in our living room. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that happened. He gets absolutely flamed for it online, right? And then Lou Holtz comes with the clap back. Oh, what did he say? He said, I can understand why he did it. He doesn't want to talk about Michigan 0-2. He doesn't want to talk about the big game coming up against Penn State and against Michigan again. He's a great coach. He's done a tremendous job. He's a great offensive mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's doing a tremendous job. Ohio State's a good football team. I don't think they're a great football team. He can go after me all he wants. I love it. Just play the savage. Dude, you savage. got bigger fish to fry, man. Yeah. Talk about an 80s dick-year-old man. That's funny, though. That's that's pretty funny. I mean, great win for Ohio State. We'll talk about that later. Um, but, yeah, I mean – to play some sort of devil's advocate. Like I think a lot of some of the things Lou Holtz said was a little out of pocket. It seemed like, Oh, for sure. Dude's 86 years old. What 86 year old doesn't say stuff out of pocket. Uh, yeah. You'd like to think Ryan day can just kind of put that behind him and celebrate a big win. With yeah. His team. You'd think, right? Nope. Goes right to talking smack to an 86 year old former head coach. So yeah, definitely worthy for my loser, Sam. I am going to go. With the Oakland Athletics. Now, they have been a loser multiple times on this podcast between their awful play on the field, between their historically low fan interest, between their reverse boycott to show the city of Oakland that it is not their fault that ownership and the city don't put enough effort in the team for them to care. But if they did, they would care and provide a good audience. All of that stuff has been an absolute... I mean, it's been a, it's been fun to watch. To, to to laugh at, but also sad to watch because, you know, those poor people of Oakland losing their team, uh, but also not being able to root for a pretty good team yeah. in a little bit. But to add to the list of things that the A's have done to make them losers, Miguel Cabrera of the Detroit Tigers is retiring after this year. Of course, a surefire Hall of Famer, uh, won a triple crown, just an 
absolute legend of the game. And this la- this last year uh, in his professional career, he, of course, gets presents from a bunch of teams when he plays his last game at their stadium. Uh, I've been looking through some of the old gifts that other teams have got him. There was some pretty sweet stuff, like photo collages, huge donations. I'm talking about thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars to his foundation. Um there was really cool one from Pittsburgh. He got like an old painting of a bunch of Pirates legends. They have a they have a bridge right by their stadium that's yeah. pretty famous. So a bunch of Pirates legends and then Miguel Cabrera all tipping their caps off the bridge. Like nice. it's some really cool, thoughtful stuff. And then large donations, uh, large donations to his charity. Then he gets to Oakland, where the Oakland A's decide to give him a bottle of wine. Now I know what you're thinking. A bottle of wine can be pretty nice. They can go upwards of what, eight, nine hundred dollars, yeah. maybe a maybe a thousand dollars. Of course, the Twitter detectives out there saw the label, went and found it online. It was a ninety-dollar bottle of wine from a professional baseball team. But that's not all. The uh, kicker, yeah, is that Miguel Cabrera spent three months in an outpatient treatment program for alcoholism in 2010. So they gave someone who went to went to um, rehab for alcoholism, alcohol, and it was a $90 bottle as his retirement gift. It's just an unreal Tough. franchise. It is an yeah. unreal franchise. Uh, and it, it was pretty fun to see the internet just kind of all come together and laugh at the Oakland A's because that's just ridiculous. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I didn't. I knew about the wine, but I didn't know the backstory of why um, it was like, yeah, cheap bottle wine, whatever. But doing it to a former alcoholic who is in the national media where you know about it. That's a tough look. Yeah, not great from the old athletics, but maybe if they when they get to Vegas, they'll be a little bit better gift givers. Yeah, give a a casino card to gambling addicts. Yeah, go. I like there that. Go. I like that. Maybe when Iowa comes to town, they'll give. Oh, them some, good, good. They'll good. give them some poker yeah. chips. Oh man, that's good stuff. Ready to talk some football? Let's talk about. Let's talk about some football. This past weekend, there were five ranked top 25 ranked matchups uh and then there was a sixth matchup with uh between florida state and clemson that was clemson is just outside of it um but of course we all knew this was going to be a great matchup so we'll start there because that happened to kick off at 11 a.m central time we will go uh we will go here first so florida state traveled to death valley played clemson and came out victorious in overtime 31 24 yeah this one was a interesting one um my biggest takeaway is um, Jordan Travis seemed a little banged up in this one. And that's a huge concern for Florida State because they are on track to make the college football playoffs. Um, I mean, this was kind of their biggest test of a season. I know it went into overtime, but you got to factor in the fact um, Jordan Travis was hurt. He still played a great game, 21 for 37, 289 yards, two touchdowns, and more importantly, uh, no interceptions. But he did not look like the player we've seen throughout uh, the first couple weeks of this college football season. 
Um, he, I think he got banged up on his left shoulder, right shoulder, one of the two, and then also on his throwing hand. So banged up, but he powered through, got them a big win, big statement win, even though they were the high seed being Clemson at Clemson's always a good win. Yeah. Gutsy, gutsy. It was very gutsy performance from Jordan Travis. I tell you what, Sam watching this game, cause we, we were watching it just to with about every game on our nine TVs in our living room. We were watching this game, and right now I'm looking at the stats, and they tell the exact same story. There is no reason Clemson should have lost this game. Yeah. No reason whatsoever. Uh, outgained them just from the eye test. Absolutely dominated them. I mean, Florida State only had 22 rushing yards. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's obviously an area of concern if you're Florida State. But looking on the Clemson side of things, how would you lose this game? Well, two things. I got two things. One, you had all the momentum in the world. You were up a touchdown, and you were driving, fumble, scoop, and score. Mm -hmm. That completely changed the tide of the game. You have to take care of the football. And after that, obviously, as I just said, things changed. You were driving. You hold on to that football. At the very least, you kick a field goal. You're in a two-possession game. Things are so much different. So taking care of the football, that turnover was absolutely massive, let alone turnover that led straight to points in the scoop and score. And also, what on earth was that play calling? down the stretch yeah horrible i mean the, so what we're talking about is florida state scores a touchdown and they get the ball first in overtime clemson then gets the ball i believe they had a like a third third and one after they had just ran the ball for like eight yards i think it was an incomplete pass up yeah. down just ran the ball got down to the one they get up to the line looks like it's going to be a run Club Nick pulls it, throws, looked like an RPO, throws, yeah. throws the screen out to the wide receiver who gets tackled for like a loss of two yards. Mm -hmm. And now you're setting a fourth and four. Of course, they try and run a play, incomplete pass, game over. But third and one, you had just come off a good run. Again, defense on their heels, and you throw this little stupid butter yeah. screen that ends up, ends up in a loss. I don't get it. I'm not entirely sure who calls plays, whether it's Garrett Riley or or I'm pretty uh, sure it's Garrett Riley or uh yeah or Davos Sweeney, but whoever it is, get back to the drawing board because that is ridiculous. And again, one of the main reasons why I lost this game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then uh, on the Florida State side of things, gutsy win, as you said. Uh, Jordan Travis, get healthy, and you need to hopefully fix that running game uh, as ACC play continues. But overall. Good one for Florida State. No reason why Clemson should have lost. Moving on, the next game on the docket was Colorado. Of course, I'm not sure if you've heard, Colorado was coached by uh, Deion Sanders. Really? Yes, Deion I've Sanders, heard. the former NFL player, Coach Prime. And they traveled to Eugene to take on the Ducks. And this was over before it started. Yeah, it, it was over. 48 hours, I'd say, before the game kicked off. This was a absolute curb stomping. And I wish I could say this was the worst game of Saturday, but as you and I both know, it wasn't. But Oregon took this personal, as Coach Prime would say, um, and they absolutely dominated. Now, you see these stats, yes. Bo Nix played phenomenal. He had 276 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, 28 for 33. A Heisman-like game. But what really set this apart is 
the difference in the running game. Oregon had 240 yards to Colorado's 40. Now I know Colorado is missing their best defensive player, um, Travis Hunter, which I think he would have had a slight impact on the game, but I don't think it would have helped them not lose 42 to 6. Maybe, maybe a little less, but not a significant amount where this matters, but just an absolute curb stomping uh, in every which way. You could tell, uh, is it Dan, Dan Manning or something like that? Uh, Oregon's head coach. Um, we saw the pre- pregame. Uh, they're looking for clicks, um, and he, he took it to a whole nother level. Um, fourth, they went for it on uh, fourth down four times, converged 75% of those. Just an absolute beat down by Oregon. Um, but honestly, we all kind of expected this, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we all saw that uh, that hype speech from from Dan Landing. I just saying, look, we know we're better than them, and the whole world knows we're better than them. I don't have a ton to add here, as you said. I mean, yeah, if Travis Hunter played, that's at least a, like a a cornerback one. Yeah, who can maybe. Uh, stick with uh, Troy Franklin, the wide receiver from Oregon. He had put in 126 and two touchdowns. So at least somebody stopping him uh, would have definitely been welcomed by Colorado. Anything Oregon wanted to do, they did. They could throw it. They can run it. Did not matter. 522 total yards. And that's with, I mean, virtually not playing the entire second half, mm-hmm. taking the the um, foot control. off the gas. Yeah, 100%. Um so, yeah, I mean, I don't have too much analysis here other than it's a classic tale of one team, the offseason hype. They win a few games against, again, against teams who were kind of overrated to begin with. Like, TCU is not, not a good football team. They're right? not the same team that led to the national championship. They lost, year. like, everybody from their national championship year. They beat Nebraska. They beat Colorado <laughs> State. Like, relax, everybody. They played a far superior opponent, and they got humbled. It happens yeah. all the time. Um, not too much analysis in it, just that Oregon was absolutely dominant. And it does not get easier for Colorado. They have to play USC next year. So that's a brutal back-to-back. Whoever made the schedule not favor Coach Prime. Yeah. But moving on, we will go to the SEC in their ranked matchup of the week, Ole Miss. Traveled to Tuscaloosa to take on the Tide, where the Tide were able to pull out the win at home 24 to 10. Yeah, this game was about as expected as I'd say. Um, I think Alabama has found their quarterback in uh, Jalen Milrow. I said last week this was going to be the battle. Um, I'm t- I was taking Jackson Dart, and um, he struggled. Uh, he put up the yards, but didn't get in the end zone once. Had a costly pick. Did I? I don't really know because this game was so evenly matched in so many ways. I mean, if you look at the yardage, the one you see two big differences when it comes to this game, and that is rushing yards. Alabama outrushed them, hundred and thirty-one yards. To Ole Miss's 56. Now, with Bama this year, 
we've known they're going to go back to their old school with uh, Derrick Henry, with Mark Ingram, just pound the ball and, and make them Eddie Lacy. There oh, you go. Yeah. Uh, make them stop you, and Ole Miss could not stop them. Another thing I'm looking at right now is Ole Miss' third down efficiency. Three for fourteen. It's hard to win ball games when you uh, go three for fourteen on third down. Um, but yeah, uh, Alabama had a good bounce back win. A lot of people were questioning. Um, there are they the Alabama of old. It looks like they uh, kind of steered the ship in the right direction, and uh, I'm not saying this is a uh, Alabama. We've seen with Bryce Young, Jalen Hurts, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. I think it's if it's been a while since we've seen a Bama team like this because you had your, you know, you had your John Mechies and you had your um, Devonta Smith, Smith, and you've had you've had uh, I mean even Jalen Waddle and uh, who was with Jalen Waddle? They had, they had two because yep. LSU had Jamar and Jefferson uh-huh. and Alabama had Waddle and, and someone else. <laughs> I got apparently you. we don't know ball. But <laughs> um yeah, for so long this team was just as dominant as it gets throwing the football. And you have to do kind of have to go back to the what we we're saying, the Derrick Henry, Eddie Lacey, Mark Ingram um days where they were just this dominant on the ground. But that's kind of where they have to to make their money. I mean um Jalen Milrow himself can can carry the ball uh, a little bit and um Jace McClellan I mean he went for 105 yards on the ground and a touchdown so it seems like this is going to be the key to success for Alabama um and whether they can keep to it and keep that consistent is kind of going to be the story of their season it seems like for me yeah definitely um looking at that 2020 uh I know it did say Devonte Smith was on that team Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um, was Devonta Smith model? Let's see. Of course, John. Ma- so 20, 20, 20 or twenty-one. Twenty. Okay. So it was Jalen Waddle, John Mechie, and Devonte Smith. Ha! Huh. It's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Slight. With wide receiving core like that, you tend to throw the ball a little bit. And was two of their quarterback that year, uh, or were they, was it Bryce Young? Whoever it was. Pretty good at throwing the football, right? It seems like we've it's been a long time since we've seen Bryce Young and Mac Jones were on that team. Right. Okay. So two NFL level quarterbacks. Yeah, I believe Mac Jones. Mac Jones. I believe yeah. Mac Jones was starting because he is a right. redshirt yep. junior. Yep. Tua to Mac Jones to um to Bryce Young, all first round draft picks. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's been a while. The- Two of the best in the yeah. NFL right now. Yeah, it's been. You know, obviously Mac Jones yeah. right here. It's been it's been a while since we've seen a Notre Dame or Notre Dame. I've Jeez. seen my screen. It's all right. Looking it's at, all right. Looking at it, get it together. <laughs> looking at an Alabama quarterback struggle uh, as much as they did. But moving on, moving right along here, this was a great game, Sam. An underrated game. A lot of eyes on the big ones. This one. Flew under the radar. Oregon State traveled to Washington State, and the Cougars at home got the win 38-35. The battle of the Pac-2 went to Washington State. Like you said, Tanner, this was a under-8 game. Obviously, people had it on their radar being a top 
25 matchup, but like you said, a lot of good games going on at the same time. This one was, um, we had it up on one of our screens. I think it was a laptop TV. Um, and to be honest with you, Tanner, I found myself looking at that screen a lot because this game was a lot of fun. Classic, classic, um, pack, pack two matchup. <laughs> but to be honest with you, Tanner, this was a blowout in the third quarter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was 14. Let me do some. Oh, no. Uh, seven. A lot of points. Oh, brother. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I'm, I'm not in. Uh, Oh no, this is tough. But in, in the words of uh in the words of Oh yeah, I think it was uh it was thirty-five to fourteen in the third quarter. Yes. That's tough. It's not tough math. It's, but uh go ahead. I was gonna in the words of uh was it uh, Cardell Jones? I didn't come here to do school. Yeah, exactly. I didn't come here to play sports. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But Oregon State almost made a comeback, uh had twenty-one points in the fourth quarter. But this game really came down to one man and one man only. And that man is making a dark horse statement for Heisman. And that man name is Cameron Ward. 28 for 34, 404 yards, four touchdowns, and most importantly, no interceptions. And I think that's why uh, the Washington State uh, Cougars came out uh, in this battle in uh, battle between the Pac-2. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Cameron Ward was absolutely awesome in this game. He had two wide receivers go for 150-plus, slinging it all over the field. And Sam, you mentioned the big one, zero picks. He took care of the football, slung it all over the field, got in the end zone four times. And on the flip side, of course, DJU for Oregon State kind of struggled. Went 17 for 34, 50% completion rate. Under 200 yards passing, went for 198, a touchdown and a pick. So not taking care of the football. I mean, where Oregon State made their offense was rushing the ball. Yeah. I mean, Deshaun Fenwick with 101 himself, and then Damian Martinez added 81. So that's all of where Oregon State's offense came from, while Washington State a lot more efficient through the pass game. So Oregon State, I mean, this was a team that I was high on, and the stacked Pac-12 somehow yeah. stacked Pac-12. Um, yeah, their their offense is going to need to be a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more, uh, and a little bit more multifaceted if they want to go deep in this conference. Yeah. Because being able to just run the ball ain't going to cut it uh, against some of the high flying offenses in Oregon, USC, even Colorado can score a lot of yeah. points when they're not playing Oregon. Uh, <laughs> and you know, playing this Oregon State team, if they're not able to throw the ball, it can be an issue. But yeah, Washington State was absolutely dominant through the air, and so won the game. Yeah, nah, I think Cameron Cameron Ward uh, owns Kyler Williams and Josh Kelly. A big steak dinner. Kyler Williams seven receptions, hundred seventy four yards, twenty four point nine per reception in yardage. One touchdown. Then Josh Kelly eight receptions, hundred fifty nine yards, nineteen point three average. For three touchdowns. That's that's how you win ball games in this day and age. Sure is. Sure is. Now to the headliner of the college football slate. You had 
Oh, the rankings updated. I don't remember what they were. You had a top 10 matchup between Ohio State and Notre Dame. This game went completely different than a lot of us thought. Six, uh, six Ohio State versus nine Notre Dame. I got you. What I got said. you. Let's go. Let's go. That three to six duo <laughs> at work. But it was a top 10 matchup in, in, um, at Notre Dame. And well, this game did not go the way we thought it did. No. Ohio State with the win 17 14 on the road with a last second touchdown as time expired. I can dive in to the depths of this game. I can go play by play. I can I can dive into what players did. But I want to highlight coaching here. Final two plays. Ohio State in the red zone. And Marcus Freeman makes one of the dumbest mistakes a coach can make. He does not one, but two plays with 10 defenders. And where where does Ohio State score? Right where that 11th defender would be. And we all saw the quote, I didn't want to, he didn't want to cause a penalty. Okay. Then you it's, lost. That's, that is literally the reason. I don't want to cause a penalty. You know what wouldn't cause a penalty? Having the right number of yeah, exactly on, on the field. That would not cause a penalty. And if you do, it's like half a half yeah. the distance to goal line. It's at the half yard line instead of the one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like oh my God. I can't imagine what Notre Dame fans were thinking in that moment. And then hearing what Marcus Freeman said after. But that that's obviously Ohio State played well. We saw saw Kyle McCord come into what we expect from Ohio State uh, quarterback. But really, those two plays right there is were the game defining moments. Yeah, I mean, it was a theme last. Uh, it was a theme last episode when we were picking these games. A lot of the times, we went with the better quarterback. It's the most important position on the field, obviously. Um, and in this specific game. We looked at each other. We were like, I trust Sam Harmon way more than I trust Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord outplayed him. You, you, you got to tip your cap. McCord went for 240 yards, did not throw an interception, uh, while Sam Hartman only threw the ball 25 times, threw for 175, did throw for a touchdown. Sam, I don't think anyone expected this game to th- be this low scoring. No. I – the defenses were all over the place. Granted, there were some opportunities, turnovers on downs. I think there was a missed field goal in there. Yeah. Uh, but three points in the first half was very shocking. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the offense, I mean, I guess each team can be happy with how their defense is played. Um, but offense has got to be a little bit concerned um, after this game. And Ohio State comes out with just a, a big time win on the road. Uh, before they get into the meat of their Big Ten schedule. Of course, the games we are looking at are Penn State and Michigan. But anything else on on the headliner here? No, this one, this one was a fun one. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't our main focus, which yeah. I wish it would have been. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those where it was kind of like a snooze fest, but it was a great snooze fest. It was a great snooze fest. It was Absolutely. a lot of boring, but it was close, and it was contested. It was physical. 
But yes, of course, it had to be on the side TV with no volume because we had a bigger game to watch for our fandom. Oh, man. I don't even know where to begin with this. So all I will do, we'll say the score. Iowa went to Happy Valley to face Penn State. And they got shut out 31 to nothing. First time in 23 years, the Iowa Hawkeyes have been shut out. This was an ass kicking. I, I, I called the Oregon Colorado game a curb stomping. This is an ass kicking. Um, pork slamming. That's good. Thank you. I like that. <laughs> um, I don't even know. Like you said, I don't even know where to start with this one. Um, yes. I think the most frustrating part for me is I was going into this game not expecting to win. I thought our, de- our defense will score one and maybe Kate McNamara does some uh, Fugazi stick. Fugazi stuff and somehow gets in the end zone with Eric Hall because God knows we're not going to give it to our receivers. Um, I think there's 14 receptions to our receivers this year. Um, but back to my point, I wasn't expecting a win. I was expecting a 24-14. And I would have been okay with that. Um, obviously, we weren't going to see the offense play well. Um, turns out they played worse than what I was expecting. Um, 31 nothing, tough all around. Um, I can dive into stats. I'm sure you have thoughts on that, Tanner. But the ones I want to look at is two major ones. And honestly, two that when you're talking about games, you don't really look at. And that is total place. It's I've opened. Total place. Let's start there. 97 total plays for Pitt State and 33 for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, so that so keep that in mind. 97 plays. They held on to the ball for 45 minutes. And Iowa held on to the ball for 14-33. People are going to say I am absolutely insane for what I'm about to say. But I think this was a good performance by Iowa's defense. You put any, I can give you three or four teams that hold a team to 31 being on the field 45 times with zero help. From your offense. So. That happens. We we get curbs on. Offense is anemic. And Kirk Ferentz. And his freaking nepotism man. Says. It's just one game. We don't need to change things schematically. No. No Kirk. It. I know you're getting up there in age, but it, it's been the past four years. And honestly, it's time to make some changes um, in the Iowa organization. I've been a Kirk. Kirk Ferentz is the only guy I've known leading the Hawks. And he's done a great job with what he's given. But these past four years has been a brutal dive 
to be an Iowa fan. Um, this hit, I didn't think we could go lower than last year when it came to our offense, but goddamn, we hit it, baby. Yeah, this is a new low. I have been watching football my entire life. I've been watching Iowa football my entire life. I have been watching every sort of football you can imagine my entire life. This is the single worst offensive performance I have ever seen. It was pure dominance, Sam said. 97 plays. 97 plays to 33 plays. 45 minutes. 45 and a half minutes to 14 and a half minutes. Sam, you are absolutely correct. This was a great defensive performance. Find me any group that has to go for 97 plays, not to mention short fields, not, not to mention like short fields from turnovers, but short fields from getting pinned on their own five and not being able to move the ball a literal inch. Sam, I am done with this BS. It is the worst offensive performance I've ever seen. Worse than Ohio State a year ago. Worse than Wisconsin a few years ago. We were supposed to have our quarterback. He threw the ball 14 freaking times for 40 yards. This was absolutely unbelievable. And I'm, I'm, I'm done taking shots at Brian Ferentz. Yes, he is awful at his job. But guess what? Guess what? I'm done with that. Because there's one person responsible for the situation we are in. And that is Kirk Ferentz. Like you said, Sam, he's all I've ever known. And I love the guy. The guy should get a statue at Kinnick Stadium. But damn it, I can't do it anymore, man. I can't do it. To quote Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight, you either either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And he is now the villain. This is unreal because Sam, what is the first thing they tell you when you start a business? What not to hire your friends, not to hire your family. You know why? Because things might not go well. You might have to talk to your friends about being better at their job and you might have to fire your family. Well, guess what? That is why we're in the situation we are in. Don't hire your family, man, because now we don't know. Can we fire him? Can we keep our legacy head coach? Do we have to fire him? This situation is awful because of one man and Kirk Ferentz. Also, he is the head of the whole thing. He runs this ship. If he's not happy with it, he will make changes. But guess what? He hasn't. And when he's asked about his historically bad performances, year after year after year, he gives smug comments about how he's smarter than everyone else, about how Iowa wins a lot of football games, about how Iowa is just fine the way they are. It's one bad game. No, Kirk, it is not. Like you said, it is four years. There have been two games in the past two years that have been historically bad performances. Three games in the past four years that have been under 100 yards. That is unbelievable. You know why Iowa wins a lot of football games? Because they play in the Big Ten West. That's why. Because your opponents suck. And one year, when when the Big Ten does a whole realignment, you will not win football games. That's how it is, Kirk. Either adapt or get out. I'm done with that fossil of a head coach. He needs to retire. And Beth Getz, the new Iowa, uh, the new Iowa athletic director, needs to do something about this. Make a statement in her first year because it's ridiculous, and I am done with it. Amen. Yeah. The fact the fact the fans have a job right now is very concerning for me. Um like you said, abysmal, abysmal, ab- not even abysmal. There's not a word to describe this performance by the Hawkeyes. And you can say, well, they were missing running back one and two and tight end. Bro, you should still at least get more than 100 yards. I don't care who you are. I really don't. I don't care. We brought it. This is probably the most uh, most offensive talent Iowa has had 
in years. A long time. And it's the same shit year after year. And we we read off the stats. The stats are bad. I promise you, the eye test was way worse. It was literally the Simpsons when it's like, stop, he's already dead. Because Iowa was dead. Iowa was dead. Our fans were dead inside. The team looked like they didn't want to be there. It was unbelievable to watch. A new low. Not a single Iowa fan in the world thought they were going to win the game. And only this Iowa team, led by the Ferences, of course, would would somehow disappoint in a game where you literally thought there was no chance they would win. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. But I, I just can't. I can't do it anymore. Kirk Ferentz, uh, you need to go. You just need to go. You're actively hurting the program. The hiring of your son is actively hurting the program. And you are the sole reason we're in this situation. Not your son. You. Take control over your program or get the hell out. Felt good. Yeah. Felt good to get that out. We'll keep it going for this next Oh, I will. (laughs) Don't you worry. Uh, So we're going to move on to the NFL. Uh, There was a whole slate of NFL games. He talked about some of the upsets. Of course, uh, some other memorable things. I think there were two Scorigamis in the NFL this week. Two of them. So that's pretty pretty cool. But we'll get to all that in a bit. We'll we'll start off into a big-time Loser Leaves Town game. The O and two Chargers went up to Minnesota to face the O and two Vikings, and the Chargers were able to get their first win. And they now are one and two, beating the Vikings twenty-eight to twenty-four. Do you want to? I, I don't even. Oh man, yeah this, this this is a classic. This is a classic Vikings game right here. You know why? Talk to me. Because the team did everything in its power to win while simultaneously doing everything in its power to lose. I will just let's just let's just share how the how the go ahead touchdown was scored by the Chargers. Uh it was a drastically underthrown football by Justin Herbert that jump that bounces off of a Caleb Evans hands who had a free interception. But guess what? Bounces off his hands, pops in the air, bounces right to the uh, to the Chargers wide receiver for the go-ahead touchdown. Unbelievable stuff. Then the Chargers, of course, Chargers did their thing. They tried every p- way possible to give it back, including going for it on their that own. Wild. On their own. That was, I forgot that. Third, 25 or 30 on a fourth and one. If they got the first down, the game would have been over. Uh, that was so wild. I, personally, I I don't think I don't hate the idea to go for it. I hate the play call. Yeah. They lined up their running back as a fullback. There was no running back. So it was the most obvious thing what you were doing. You ran your running back with no head of steam from the fullback position. And yeah, and uh, didn't get it. Then Minnesota got the ball back and still didn't score. Um, Yeah, it's uh, they had two series inside the red zone down, down the down four. (laughs) And we're not able to score. Uh, it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Uh, in the last the last series, Minnesota had had a got a completion to TJ Hawkinson. I believe they're on the six yard line with about forty two seconds left. They didn't snap it till till there was. Or I think it was yeah. like thirty six or thirty eight seconds. And left. they didn't and they snap, didn't snap like it till there was like yeah till like fifteen seconds left because the they they claimed the crowd was too loud. Kirk couldn't hear the play call, but when asked later, 
Kirk Kirk said, oh, I have the power to like, he has trusted enough by Kevin O'Connell to make play calls in a pinch. That includes spiking the ball. Exactly. That That's what I was about to say. That is unbelievable. You get to the line, you spike it. You have 25, 30 seconds. That's easily three shots to the end zone. But instead, you get one. He tries to force it in a tight window, and it leads to an interception in the end zone. But, Sam, I do have to talk about a couple people on the Chargers. Justin Herbert was absolutely magnificent. He was 40 for 47, 405 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He would have had a fourth if it wasn't for a trick play where Keenan Allen got the passing touchdown. And speaking of that guy, Keenan Allen was open all game long. A magnificent performance from him too. 18 receptions, 20, or excuse me, 200, 215 receiving yards. Uh, didn't catch touchdown, but he did throw for one. Mike Evans, all he did was add 121 yards himself and a touchdown, Mike of Williams. course. Mike he said Williams. Mike Evans. I'm, it's all right. I'm so mad that I can't <laughs> even read. Uh, Mike Williams, of course, with the 121 yards and a touchdown, but he did tear his ACL in that game. So hopefully, oh. yeah, hopefully he gets better mm. uh, and gets ready for next year because he will be out for the year. But, Sam, the Minnesota Vikings blitzed. On nearly eighty-five percent of Justin Herbert's oh no dropbacks oh no Justin Herbert's passer rating against the blitz was the highest in the NFL this year oh no you hate to see that the defense just isn't good like you you could. And I and think this defense, one sack. this defense will be better than last year's defense simply because of the coordinator. Yeah. But like Ed Donatel was really bad at his job. He was really bad at his job. Simply put, this defense sucks. No one not named Daniel Hunter yep. can get to the quarterback. You can easily double, if not triple team him, and then no one else can get any sort of penetration. I saw a graph today that graphed difficulty of rush and quality of 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 uh Quality of play, uh, two Minnesota Vikings defensive ends were were in the far bottom left, meaning they faced the easiest yep. offensive lineman and they had the worst effective rush. Uh, one of their interior linemen was in the far left. S- same story. Uh, yeah, the defense is just bad. The defense can't get any sort of pressure, and it doesn't matter who you play in the NFL. If you cannot get a single shred of pressure, he will sit back and rip you apart just like Justin Herbert did uh, on Saturday. So uh, unbelievable way that Minnesota chokes that game. Of course, the Vikings and the Chargers are incredibly similar teams. Both had 475 yards of offense on the dot. Uh, yeah, very similar teams. Both tried tried to give the, give the game away about nine times, uh, and the Vikings were just better at sucking and better at being who their franchise is, and that's chokers. And now they're 0-3, and... Next week, they play the Panthers. And if you don't win that game on the road, you're going to have to have some serious questions about personnel, yeah. about rebuild, about tanking season. If you want to go, you know, go for the better draft pick and get get some draft picks for for the guys that you have. But yeah, this is this is really not not good at all. Uh, not good at all in Minnesota. Yeah, that's kind of a lot. Sorry. I just no, 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 no. Yeah, especially. Um... I got I got a couple questions. We're watching this game. It seemed that last week y'all couldn't get the run game going. 
Alexander Madison was abysmal. He finally gets going, right? I think he had, what, around 190, 100 yards. That's a good performance in today's NFL, especially when you're going up a team against a team that had 30 total rushing yards. But with that being said, there's been a lot of concerns with Alexander Madison being one and kind of a lot of your playmakers with ball security. And your coach, Kevin O'Connell, said either guys are going to fix it or we're going to have to put other guys in the game that have ball security. Where, like, it seems to be a problem we've kind of never seen, especially in the NFL. So is there a way you can fix it? Or is there just, you just have to minimize the opportunities for it to happen? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you, I, 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 again, I, I've, ne- I've never seen it before. A team fumble so much in their lives. Uh, Kevin Collins, right? You, you fix it or get people in there who will. I think Cam Akers is a part of that. Of course, they traded. Definitely. They traded for Cam Akers uh, from the Rams, but like, I think I really think that focusing on the fumbles is is kind of like a. It's the wrong thing to focus focus on because yes, it's a problem. It needs to be fixed, um, and that's that's why you lost against Tampa Bay, a team you're yeah. clearly better than. Uh, but yes, you fumbled a few times against the Eagles. You didn't lose to the Eagles because you fumbled. You lost to the Eagles <laughs> yeah. because they could run the ball whenever they wanted, wherever they wanted, down your throat because your defensive line is bad. You can't get any penetration whatsoever. You can't stop anybody from running. And then you lost this game because you blitzed on 85% of of, of dropbacks. He threw the ball 47 times, completed 40 of them. Unbelievable. Against yeah. 85% blitzes. Your defense sucks. Your defensive line sucks. And that is the main issue when teams with good offensive lines can just run it down your throat and 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 t- teams with quality quarterbacks with a competent passing game and a good wide receiver will just run all over you. He'll be open all game long. Um, so focusing on that, I think, is it w- would be a mistake by the coaches instead of just focusing on you need to get better, whether that's you get an Akeem Hicks in free agency to try and help run stuff, or you try and sign some sort of veteran pass rusher um, uh, in, in free agency or, or whatnot, but the, the defensive line just needs to get better. But yes, the offensive line needs to, or the offense needs to take care of the football. I guess just more drills with pads and people hitting, like, <laughs> people, con- you know, constantly yeah, trying bad. to rip the ball out and, in, um, in, in practice. But yeah, if you're focusing on that, I think if the coaching staff is focusing on that uh, from a team wide perspective and not the way the defense looks and the major, major problems. From that, I, th- I think that would be a mistake. Yeah. And one thing I do want to highlight here for kind of a positive for the Vikings, if you can find one, obviously starting out three start. Goddamn, Kirk Cousins played a hell of a game. Now, you can look at stats 32 for 50, not the greatest completion percentage, but he still threw for 367 yards when he had approximately point. Five seconds, if that, to deliver the ball. He stood in the pocket, delivered, got knocked on his butt multiple, multiple, multiple times. Um, but 
just want to give Kirk, it, this is not, he is not the reason the Vikings are 0-3 to start off this season. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And watching his growth over the years has been kind of crazy. I mean, the way he can handle an offense now compared to when he first got to Minnesota and the way he moves in the pocket now, um, you know, he's obviously not the quickest in the pocket, but the way he can navigate it, step up, slide in the pocket now, I mean, has been night and day from when he first started in Minnesota. I mean, his, again, I hate to keep bringing it back to this, but his value is quite literally never been higher so with that being said will kirk cousins be a vikings at the end of the season there's a lot of circulation within the nfl world possibly rumors going to new york to help them uh, make a deep run in this year's playoffs what what are your thoughts on that will he yes i think he will end the season of viking um should he no, and I and I'll cite a perfect example on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna reference you to the Philadelphia Eagles because they won a Super Bowl, right? The year with Nick Foles, they won the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. That team was very obviously very talented. What did they do? They kind of fell off a little bit. Now, obviously, Minnesota never won a Super Bowl. They won they won the 13 games. They had that great yeah. season that maybe instilled some false hope in fans. Well, what did they? What did the Eagles do when they realized it was time? Like. The team just wasn't that good anymore. What did they do? They took a step back. They didn't. They didn't go out and sign some crazy quarterback. They took a step back. They realized they sent Carson Wentz out there with virtually no talent. Minnesota can do the same. Trade away some assets. Take a step back. What did What did the Eagles get from it? Six overall pick, Devontae Smith. Where is he now? Yeah, they were so much better off for a one year. One year step back because in the year after they were back in the playoffs, then the year after that they were in the goddamn Super Bowl. So just take a step yeah. back. Your, your team will be so much better for it. And yeah, you and obviously with such a big question at quarterback and such a deep quarterback class, that's where your mind goes right away. Yeah, but absolutely. I think the front office might be a little too scared to make that to make that statement. So will he end a Viking? Yes, should he? Interesting. Yeah, that's 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 my take on the situation. But Sam, we have another game to talk about. I alluded to this earlier I know. when I was talking. There's about no game the after upset, uh, The Dallas Cowboys looking like the certainly the NFC's best team. Or I guess them and the 49ers looking like the NFC and the NFL's best teams. They went to the 0-2 Cardinals, a team that, you know, they look feisty. But, of course, we all know, looking like they're trying to tank and the Cardinals get the win 28-16. to 16. I think the best way to kick this this game talk off is after Iowa got absolutely pummeled uh, 31-0. I was like, okay, yeah, that sucked. That really sucked. But, hey, the Cowboys got the Cardinals tomorrow. And I was like, all right. Another day, let's see some good football. Boy, um, no, no, uh, I this was a terrible weekend for the N three two six duo. Yes, um, very very bad. But on paper, looking at stats, it seems that the Cowboys should have won this game. I mean, 
416 total yards, 231 passing yards, 185 rushing yards, 5.5 yards of play, 26 first downs, 9 for 16 for third down, 75 total plays, only two sacks allowed, two points, one interception. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that interception. And they out, they had a greater time of possession. What? I don't understand how the Cowboys lost this game. I think their egos got way too big. Everyone was saying, yep, this Cowboys here, this is it. They got the best defensive player in the NFL, arguably. I, I can see some arguments, but Micah Parsons is definitely up there. Um, we saw that Prescott, oh, he, he's a changed quarterback. No, he's still stupid as hell in clutch freaking moments. Uh Doing his best Justin Fields impression, um, but this this should not have happened. The Cardinals are not a good team. Um, they have Joshua Dobbs. He had a literally damn near perfect game. 17 for 21, 189 yards. Not great, right? But one touchdown. But 17 for 21, that's really good for kind of an inexperienced quarterback playing the best defense one of the best defenses in the NFL. But where they were truly effective was the rushing game. And, um, well, I'll, I'll just read off. James Conner, 14, 14 carries, 98 yards, 7 average, 1 touchdown. Joshua Dobbs, 6 carries, 55, 9.2 yards. And then Rondell Moore, who was my dad at Purdue, is now my dad in the NFL, 3 Carries for 54 yards, 18 uh, yards per carry. Um, I still don't understand how the Cowboys lost this game. Um, but then just stat, stat by stat, when you're looking at it, it looks like the Cowboys should win this game. But, oh, my God, the Cowboys can't do anything without gaining a freaking penalty, Tanner. 13 penalties for 107 yards. That is not how you win a football game. And that is why I truly believe deep in my heart that the the Cardinals won. They just were the better team today. And um, we had a chance to uh, make a little comeback. And we saw primetime Dak Prescott make the moment, the interception everyone was waiting for. Everyone was like, is Dak now a good quarterback? No, he hasn't been. He's never been. He will never be. Just very frustrating. Um, I didn't think the Trayvon Diggs um, loss would have been that big. Um, I I think the loss of um, our three uh, linemen definitely hurt us this game. But it shouldn't have hurt us this bad to where we're losing to uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, very frustrating loss. Um, yeah, d- doesn't make much sense. Still trying to comprehend how the hell this happened, but yeah. Well, the 13 penalties, obviously not good. I, I think there personally, I have some sort of leeway with that, given the backup, the backup offensive line, probably a few more holdings, maybe a few more, uh, uh false starts from, not being familiar with the cadence and, and uh, you know, definitely on the road. Um, 
But what is definitely confusing to me is the the inability to stop the run game, just like you said, Sam. It would have been one thing. Uh, would definitely would have surprised me if Josh Dobbs just came out and kind of threw it all over the field because you didn't have Trayvon Diggs in your first game without him trying to figure things out uh, in the defensive secondary. Uh, but that's not what happened at all. I mean, Josh Dobbs threw for under under 200 yards. Exactly what had happened was James Conner ran all over. Rondell, Rondell Moore ran all over. Even Josh Dobbs got into the act a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that's just – that's pretty confusing to me from from when Dallas looked like a defensive line. I mean, obviously giants and, and the jets uh, granted, not great offenses, but pretty on par with Arizona. If you ask yeah. me, but they couldn't get anything going. No run game, no pass game. The pass rush was crazy. The run defense was crazy and all that just kind of disappeared. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not sure how losing a cornerback messes with your run defense, but it obviously did. So yeah, uh, yeah, maybe it was just some sort of ego. Um, and then the penalties, again, I think as your lineman get healthy, which it seemed like uh, they were game-time decisions. So yeah. good, de- a decent decent chance that they play next week. Um, but, yeah, it's concerning, especially yeah. especially when you're competing with Philly um, for, the, for the division. Uh, but anything else you want to say about your beloved Cowboys? Tough week. Got an opportunity to bounce back. Like you said, linemen, I think, but all three of them should be back this week. Big game against Patriots. Uh, get right game. Uh, let's let's go out and get them, maybe. I like it. All right, Sam, one more question before we move on. Cowboys have Super Bowl expectations. If you could handpick right now, would you rather keep Dak or get Kirk Cousins? Mm. Oh, Oh, man, that's interesting because obviously you hear a lot of comparisons between the two. I think I'm taking Kirk Cousins. You're taking Kirk, huh? God, to be honest with so. you, I'm not going to answer because I have no idea either. I think we've seen Kirk Cousins with a god-awful line and he's still yeah, throwing he's for 300. Offensive. That good offensive line is pretty scary. Yeah. Right. I, I think I'm leaning slightly towards Kirk, but yeah, it, it's an interesting conversation. We could probably have a whole podcast uh, uh, on. Definitely. And with uh, Tony Pollard, that check down game would go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no TJ Hawkinson to throw on uh, third and long, yeah, but it's, it's all right. Yeah, well, well. <laughs> Schoonmaker, Schoonmaker? starting tight end. I believe so. Tight ends will do. Tight ends will do. But that's going to wrap it up for our NFL talk. Not much this week. Again, we wanted to focus on the college side of things this week. So, so that's going to wrap it up. However, we will jump into our players of the week now that we have wrapped up the individual games. Of course, every week, Sam has a college football player of the week, and I'll do an NFL player of the week. Sam, who's your college player of the week? Yeah, there were a ton of big-time games, big-time players, um, which we we talked about. I mean, Bo Nix had another Heisman-like game. We had had, uh, Cameron Ward, who I talked about at length. We had Michael Penix Jr. doing what he has done all year, making – the Washington Huskies, a top 10 team and still a dark horse Heisman candidate. By the way, jump in real quick. Do you see he is now the betting favorite? Is he really? Michael Penix. 
betting favorite to win the Heisman through what is it through four weeks? Four weeks. Interesting, Interesting right? All right, yeah. Go ahead. One and uh, so you have all these guys, right? I'm going on the defensive side. I like Tanner. it. I like it. And it is none other than Kentucky. Yes, Kentucky football making an appearance. Who would have thought with their cornerback, Maxwell Hairston, went bonkers? Pick sixes. Oh! Give it, it was against Vandy. So, what? Conference game. Conference game. <laughs> Pick sixes. 29 a yard interception for a touchdown in the first quarter and another 54 yard pick six in the fourth quarter uh, to seal the win for uh, Kentucky over Vandy 45 to 28 on the road too. So um, it was the first time a uh, Wildcats defender has ever done it in program history. And uh, it's only his first season as a starter. So not pretty bad. cool moment. Uh, it's, it's hard to give a defensive player uh player of the week award, but I thought Maxwell Harrison was definitely deserving this. Yeah, we're, we're all that stat line. Here. We, yeah. we we treat treat people equally. Uh, yeah, I think we got I think we got a cornerback now. I think we got running backs. I think we got quarterbacks. I think we've gotten wide receivers. So yeah. yeah. However, I, will, the love. I do want you to hit me with those yardages again. So what was the yeah, so his first one was 29 yards. 29. And then his second one was 54 yards. 54 plus 29. Quick maths, that is 83. So he had more yards oh, and pick six dude. return than Iowa why, had. Why you got to do it? No. I, yeah. No, why, Tanner? Because people need to know, Stan. Also, something we didn't mention before. Uh, Delaware played Penn State earlier yeah, in the year yeah. and scored a touchdown. Iowa didn't, but uh, and just just because I I can, um, he also recorded three pass deflections and four solo tackles. So God give all the love to Maxwell Hairston. Uh, definitely deserving of this week's uh, College Football Player of the Week. What an absolute beast! Um, yeah, for my NFL Player of the Week, I will give you one guess to choose what team. Uh. He is from. Have, could he play on the Miami Dolphins, who put up 70 points against the Denver Broncos? 10 touchdowns. They tried taking their foot off the gas and just running the football. They put in Mike White, who looks like the Jets would love to have right now. He went two for two with 67 yards and a touchdown. Oh, no. What? The player of the week, I have to go with Devon A. Chain, the running back from Texas A&M. He had an absolutely insane game. On the ground, he had 18 carries for 203 yards in two touchdowns. That's an average of 11.3 yards per carry. But, Sam, that's not it. Through the air, he had four receptions for an additional 30 yards. And two more touchdowns. Oh so, my God. in total. Yeah, give, give me the totals. I in total, so that's 18 carries, four receptions, 233 yards. Oh, my God. Four. That's beautiful. That is crazy. That's like bad like numbers, baby. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And 
I mean, just to dive into this game a little bit, Miami had 726 total yards, 376 through the air, 350 rushing yards. 350 rushing yards. I could have made the entire Miami rushing attack the the NFL player of the week. Mostert added 82 yards. Chris Brooks, I mean this respectfully, <laughs> had 30, 30 or excuse me, 66 yards at seven yards a carry. Of course, Mostert added three more rushing touchdowns of his own. Uh, oh, and Tyreek Hill went for 157 yards and yeah. touchdown himself. Trash. I, I can't talk about it enough, but I'm going to go with Devon A. Chain. Yeah. Four total Definitely. 233 total yards, 11 yards a carry. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Insane stuff. Yeah. One of the two Scorigamis actually was that game. Believe it or not, 7 to 20 has 70 to 20 has not happened. Um, yeah. In the NFL. The other the other one was uh Bucks. That was Philly. Yeah. Philly, Philly uh, Bucks 25-11. So Scorigamis, baby. Yeah, Love those them. were our players of the week. Let us know who you guys would have chosen for players of which the week. Dolphin player. Yeah, which Dolphins <laughs> player would you have chosen? Or the only player I could see who could fit in that is of course Keith. <laughs> <laughs> you get a reception. You get a touchdown. Isn't it great? But Let's pick some football games. What let's do you think it. about that? All right, let's do it. So we'll start in the college side of things. We have Utah coming off of a win, traveling to Corvallis, Oregon, to take on the Oregon State Beeves after they lost to Washington State a week ago. Sam, what you got in this one? This one's interesting. Um, Oregon State, DJU it seems to be that guy at Oregon State. Um, and then, of course, the reoccurring story of the Utah Utes is Cam Rising game play. Seems like it doesn't really matter. Um, I got Utah. I'm surprised Oregon State. I think it's just some home cooking, uh, three and a half point favorites. But I got Utah. I've liked what they've done with or without Cam Rising. I still got Utah. I got you. I got you. But not so fast, my friend. I love me some good old-fashioned home cooking, so I'm going to go with the Beavs. I think it's a prime position for them to bounce back. Again, Utah's quarterback, who the hell knows who's going to be playing. I feel like Cam Rising is, yeah, like you said, been questionable for weeks, game-time decision for weeks. He's got to come back at some point, right? I don't know. Let's go with the Beavs here. I think DJU bounces back. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a bounce-back game for the Beavs. I got them at home. Next game, we've got LSU coming off a nail-biting win at home over Arkansas a week ago. Super dog. <laughs> Taking on Ole Miss, who had that disappointing loss in Tuscaloosa. LSU is going to be two-and-a-half-point favorites. Sam, who do you got in this game? Yeah, obviously, this um, this is kind of a, two programs that are coming off kind of. Obviously, LSU won. Disappointing. Arkansas is not a very good football team this year. Um, and Ole Miss obviously dropping one against Alabama. I think if Ole Miss drops this one, it's it's gonna be their season's gonna go for the worst. Um, so with that being said, they're at home. That home crowd is wild. LSU didn't look as good as I thought they would against Arkansas. It's gonna be a fun game to watch, but give me the Ole Miss Rebels in this one. 
Sam, that is a great pick. I'm going to agree with you. Um, I'm going to go with the home team. LSU was not very impressive uh, against Arkansas, and it take you know it takes a loss to get that extra kick in the behind to get you a little bit of urgency. Um, so I'm going to go with the Rebs. I think they're just going to play more desperate. They need this game to stay relevant in the SEC. Uh, so I think they will get that done. So I agree. I'm going with the Rebs at home. Uh, next game, I am incredibly excited for this game, Sam. We have Notre Dame coming off of that heartbreaking loss to Ohio State, traveling to Raleigh to take on the Duke Blue Devils, the the darling of the college football season thus far. Big win against Clemson. Have been kind of dominating teams ever since. Sam, the Irish are five and a half point favorites on the road. Who do you have in this one? Yeah, I I'm kind of shocked about uh the five and a half here. Duke has been rolling all season. And I don't think Notre Dame looked that good last week, obviously. Ohio State, but Ohio State hasn't looked good either. Give me the upset. I got the Duke Let's Blue go. Devils at home. That place is gonna be rowdy. Give me the Duke Blue Devils here. Let's go. I Sam, I like to pick. Duke has been awesome. However, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I tell you what, Sam, who's back? Bounce back games are back, baby, because I've got I've got bounce back across the board from Oregon State. You do. From Ole Miss. Oh, man. Now Notre Dame's going to bounce back. Just like your Vikings. Oh, no. That was a that was unfortunate. What the hell? Okay. But in all seriousness, um, I just think Duke's rushing attack is going to be too hard to stop. Um, or, excuse me. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Duke is going to be baby. Tanner. Do want to. The Duke rushing game is their best attribute, but I think Notre Dame is going to be able to stop coming off of a great mm-hmm. defensive performance against Ohio State a week ago. Um, it, it seems to be right now that if you stop the rushing game, you can you can kind of stop that offense from from doing too much damage. And I think Notre Dame will have a good game plan. We'll have the appropriate amount of players on the field uh, for all plays. And I think I think the, the Irish will get this win on the road. So I'm going to go Notre Dame. Gross. Yeah, yeah. Not, I wanted to so bad. <laughs> Obviously, I wanted to, but I'm not going to do it. So let's go to the NFL on Thursday. A good matchup on Thursday, finally. finally. Wow. Nice. Second, second fist bump of the episode. But the Lions go to Lambeau to take on Jordan Love and the Packers. The Packers coming off of a crazy come from behind victory over the Saints. Lions kind of handling business against the Falcons. You know what I'm going to ask, Sam? Who do you have in this game? You know, this game, I feel like, has a very obvious answer. I think I think the Lions are the better team here. But for some reason, the Chiefs head is pulling me. I got the Packers got the at Packers Lambeau. Here, huh? Somehow, somewhat, they've just been getting it done lately. I mean, they came back from 17 last week. Obviously, a Jameis Winston-led uh, Saints. Better than Carr, in my opinion. But that's a, that's a topic for another day. Um, but I... I Something's telling me the Packers are going to get done. Um, so I got the Packers with Jordan Love leading the helm. 
I tell you what, I've gone back and forth on this one a lot. Um, the thing with the Packers injuries, right? Christian Watson was out. Aaron Jones was out. Two offensive linemen were out, I think, against the Lions. Now, the short week is tough, right? Because you kind of you want to get healthy, yeah. but you have a short week. I'm not quite sure where the injury bug plays in this game, um, but I, I'm i going to go with the Lions. I think, um, I think if this game was in November, if this was a game where you could see your breath, yeah. I could see the Lions having some trouble in the cold weather, you know, an advantage for, for the Packers. But Jared Goff, that offense is flying high right now. I mean, although that defense against uh, Atlanta, they held them to six points, I think, uh, in, in the game. Yeah. So, again, that defense, if they're doing things and holding teams to to low point totals, um, that team's going to be very scary. And I think the Lions are going to be able to get the win on the road like they did a year ago to prevent the Packers from making it to the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Lions on the road. Next game, another one I'm really excited for. The Dolphins, of course, looking like the NFL's best offense, travel to Buffalo to take on the Bills, a matchup, uh, you know, obviously a divisional matchup, but a matchup that we saw in the playoffs a year ago to which the Bills won, but a lot closer than people thought. Now the Dolphins look a lot better this year. Who do you have in this game? You mentioned if this game was in November for the last game, you have the Packers, right? It's going to be 70 in sunny Buffalo. I don't care about the weather. Give me the Bills. Give me the Bills. Give me the Bills. I think this is a statement game for Josh Allen. We saw him uh, try to dominate last weekend. Kind of got his confidence back up after the abysmal performance against um, the Jets. I think... This is going to be very high scoring, not a lot of defense in this one. But if a defense needs a stop, I trust the Bills way more than the Dolphins defense. Give me the Bills here, expecting a big game from Josh Allen. Damn it, Sam, because I, I agree with you. I, I, I do like the Bills at home in this game. Um, I, I talked about it in the, in the LSU Ole Miss game. Because an early loss from the Bills, obviously Josh Allen looked awful. We all know what happened in that game. Has got them a little desperate. Miami off to a red hot start. This is this is the game to make up ground. Yeah. This is the game at home to make up ground, and I think they're gonna they they know it. Um, coach uh, the coach of Buffalo will have them ready to play, and and I think again a, a big game for Josh Allen, a bounce back game after all the narratives after that Jets game. Of course, I was one of those talking about Josh Allen, but he has done nothing but been awesome since then and i think this continues and i got the bills at home yeah and lastly the game we've all been waiting for we thought it'd be fun to pick a giant suck fest in the bears are playing oh come on come on that's rude that's rude well that is a a different matchup Although are the Bear, are the Broncos own three, yeah, they are right. Yep. So a different winless <laughs> matchup, not the Vikings versus the Panthers, but the Bears versus the Broncos. Broncos have lost to the Raiders. They got seventy points put on them by the Dolphins. I don't remember who they played in their third game. The Bears obviously getting schmang bopped by the Packers, schmang bopped by the Chiefs. Um, 
uh, Raiders, Commanders, and Dolphins. Oh, I lost to the commies. That's right. And then, yeah, the Bears, obviously, we know that story. The game is in mile high, and the Broncos are three and a half point favorites. Sam, what do you got in this? Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> Don't, care. Don't care. Don't care. Give me Chicago. You got the Bears. Wow. This, this is sad to say, but this might be a career defining game for Justin Fields. Like, Chicago is going to come after his head if he loses this one, or at least doesn't perform well. I've always been a Justin Fields fan. I want to see him doing good. I really don't like Russell Wilson. I'm not a huge fan of Sean Payton, and I, I kind of like seeing them suck. Um, so give me the Bears, Skrit. Give me the Bears. I like it. Why Why the hell not, right? They're both 0-3. Why yeah, not? They're both <laughs> three. They're both 0-3. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with the Broncos. Um, an offense that looked somewhat competent in the first half against Washington. They looked like they were going to run away with that game. Of course, they ended up choking it. Uh, and an offense that, again, also, they put up 20 points on the, um, on the Dolphins. The offense themselves didn't look horrible. For the, for the Broncos, it was obviously that defense that just got torched all game. Um, and the Bears' defense is, I mean, <laughs> the Broncos put up, got 70 put on them last week, and I still think the Bears are the worst defense in the league. So, uh, yeah, I just think the Chicago right now, after the first three games, I'm the, direct, the direction is clear from just the top. Just let Justin Fields run the ball. Just let him run the ball. That's the thing, right? You see Justin Fields kind of struggling. In the quarterback position, the director from up top, Justin Fields, isn't the guy. Of course, that's not uh, that's not uh, Ryan Poles, the the GM of the Bears. That's not his guy. That's the old guy, yeah. the old GM's guy. So maybe he decides to to make his stand as a GM and, and tanks for Caleb Williams. But who knows? But I've got the Broncos in this game nice. at home. So Sam, it's time to hop into our super dog. Last week. We went two and zero oh, uh, in our super dog. Of course, one one super dog, one outright, one okay. just covered. But hey, a win is a win. We, right. we are both two and one in super dogs after an abysmal week two weeks ago. Yeah. But before we hop into our other super dog, we mentioned we went two and zero oh this past week. Sam, you have a you have a pick them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Out, pick them update for us so yeah we got I'll, I'll run through last week's slate just to keep y'all up to date so we kicked off florida state clemson i had florida state tanner had clemson we both had oregon against colorado that was easy uh both had utah that's another win we split against ole miss bama i had ole miss you had bama oregon state washington state again split i had washington state you had oregon state we both picked Penn State. We all know how that went. And then we both picked Notre Dame. So, and then we both got the pick'em. So that makes the pick'em standings with a slight edge to me, 18 to 17, uh, with a lot of ground, with a lot of competitiveness, which we asked for. That's why we introduced a super dog. So I like it. I like it. So why don't we hop into it, right? Who is your super dog? Now Tanner, people are going to call me crazy. They're going to call me a madman. Give me Colorado. 
plus 21 and a half over against USC. I just don't think USC's defense is that good. I I I agree. (laughs) I just don't. Um, I think that I honestly think this might be a bigger game than last week for Colorado. I think this. Agree. If they get absolute curb stomped again, people are going to be like, "Why did we hype this team up so much?" Um. I don't think that happens. I think it's going to be a classic Pac-12 uh, game. Well, Big Big 12 versus <laughs> Big 10 Duh. now. Um, but I, I think Colorado keeps it competitive this week and uh, stays within that spread of 21 and a half. I, like, I mean, it, it's it, I like the process, right? You know, a team got, got embarrassed. You have a team with a lot worse of a defense coming in. I think is. Uh, Colorado at home in this game? Um, I think it's at USC. Oh, I can't, I can't, but I can't. still, it's no matter where it is, right? It's still less of a home field advantage than it would be in Oregon. Uh-huh. Uh, so, no, it's it's at Colorado. Okay, so it's at Colorado at eleven a.m. Let's go! Yeah. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I think all of that plays in uh, plays into Colorado's favor. I definitely don't. I don't hate the pick. Um, yeah, hopefully they can overcome the uh, overcome. Of course not having Travis Hunter, which we've talked about at length. Um, for my super dog, I'm going to use a team that we've used before. Suey, <laughs> I got the hogs, baby. They are at home taking on Texas A&M. Or they're, excuse me, it's at AT&T Stadium yeah. taking on Texas A&M. This is a game that seems to always be close. I know in in uh, in recent years, I think it was a year where uh, Arkansas didn't have wasn't their best year. Texas A&M was a top ten team, and that came down to a last sec- last second field goal from the Aggies. But uh, at AT and T Stadium again, Jerry's world, Jerry the Arkansas guy. I'm gonna go with the Hogs. I just I'm not a believer in Texas A and M. Uh, they did make a switch at quarterback last week that seemed to work a little bit for their offense. They're able to pull away from Auburn. However, I think Auburn sucks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Arkansas hey. Arkansas played LSU very tightly in Death Valley. I think uh, get, getting to Jerry's world and the, the, the some friendly confines are going to be a lot of Arkansas fans there. And of yeah. course, again, Jerry uh, Jerry Jones, the Arkansas guy. So give me the Hogs. Yeah. Give me the Hogs getting six and a half uh, against against the Aggies. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as a Hog fan, I love that pick. Like you said, this this rivalry is always close, no matter the talent level um, rankings. It doesn't matter in the rivalry game, and that's especially true in this one. Um, let's just hope uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher doesn't bring a whole new meaning to 12th man. Like last week. Like last week. That's a great. Wow. Well done. Thank did you. Have you. That, did, did you have that loaded? No, no. Off the dome. Good work. That's impressive. I appreciate stuff. it. I appreciate it. So to wrap up the episode, of course, that will do it for our pick em, our super dogs. Um, yeah, let us know who you, who, what underdog you think will win and who you think are going to win these games. But to wrap up the episode, we have a few questions. 
first one from Cameron Tissue. He said, do you think the Rays should have moved into Tampa or was it the right move to stay across the bay in St. Petersburg? Yeah. Um, Cam- my buddy Cameron Tissue, he is now in Tampa. He said this is kind of the talk of the town, right? Um, new Sam in Tampa or in St. Petersburg, actually. I think it should be in Tampa, personally. I just think the the Tampa Bay Rays, like, and I feel like St. Pete is, like, not as touristy because I feel like they struggle with fans as a whole, as an organization, and being located in a bigger city because you really don't have a ton. If you don't have a ton of diehard fans, you want to get the tourists. Oh, like I know, I know you've done this. It's a stadium you've mm-hmm. never been to. I'm going to go check it out. Don't care who's playing. Now, I feel like new stadium, especially, brings that. And P- I don't think people, your average baseball fan, are going to travel to St. Pete's just for a race game. So I think it was kind of a dumb move in there. My opinion, I think they should have placed it in Tampa. Sam, I mean, I, I honestly don't know if I could have said it better myself i mean obviously it definitely should have been in tampa as you said i'm someone who wouldn't go on vacation one of the first things i do is check check and see if the home team is in town been to a lot of stadiums and um what makes it so convenient is being walking distance from the hotel being walking distance from downtown of the city where a lot of people stay right not having to hey you want to go to the Rays game sure how expensive is the uber to yeah exactly like course that that stuff matters and you know when turning a new leaf and raise baseball as you said catching the tourist is pretty important it's during the summer i mean obviously a lot of people go to florida during the summer i feel like you could totally capitalize on that so yeah i think it was again dumb i I, I agree it was dumb to keep it in st pete but obviously it's gonna looks fantastic and i think the kind of the extravagance of it all was able to be achieved because it's in st because you're probably not doing that in tampa but you know, it's a trade-off. I personally probably would have gone location over extravagance. Yeah. That is just. And lastly, I don't know if you guys heard, but when the Chiefs played the Bears, there was a there was a star-studded guest in town to watch her new boyfriend i guess boyfriend. I, I, I think i think is that a statement of a, officiality th- first report here on contract mercy and three two six zero credit uh, but taylor swift was at the was at the uh was at the chiefs game i don't know if you knew that i didn't but thank you Dana riley wants to know what are our thoughts on travis kelsey and taylor swift to be honest with you tanner i did not realize how insane Swifties actually were until Travis Kelsey started dating her. I mean, you see, you hear about it, and no doubt crazy, but I've never understood the craziness that is mm-hmm. the Swifties. Um, they are insane, to say the least. Um, they love them some Tay-Tay. I mean... Well, does that mean... So if they love them, them some Tay-Tay, does that mean they hate some well, tray well you think right but Travis Kelsey didn't crack the top 10 of the NFL's best selling jersey for 2022 
But after three weeks, he's at the top. Nearly 400% spike in sales through the Fanatic network of sites after the report that Taylor Swift was at the game. And then obviously we saw saw her hanging out with Mama Kells. And then not only that, she was wearing some New Balances. Red and white New Balances. They pop up on they're like the number one selling shoe on uh, on New Balance's website. I saw countless, countless um, Swifties describing football. Um, we saw all saw the meme of Cam Newton at the Super Bowl, and it's all us regular football fans seeing that infiltra- infiltration of uh, Taylor Swift. Um, it's wild. That that's kind of my uh, main thing. Also, another stat. I think, to be honest, it's the Swifties, man. Uh, Twenty-four point three million viewers tuning into this game. Reminder: This was an absolute blowout. Mm-hmm. I do, I do think Taylor Swift had something to do with that. So, it is. It's crazy. Obviously, always have heard how dedicated her fans are but really came into fruition for me seeing the impact of her just being in the presence of an nfl game is on kind of everything yeah i mean my honestly dana my thoughts on them being together I really don't care. <laughs> yeah. They they're they're young, they're attractive people. They can do whatever the hell they want. Like good for both of them. Like I, Yeah. One thing I do want to get straight, um I I think I've I've seen a few uh Swifties uh, act like Travis Kelsey is beneath Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um Travis Kelsey is a surefire Hall of Famer. Travis Kelsey is the second best if not the best well, without question top 3 with Tony Gonzalez and Gronk. Probably top two and might even be number one and best tight ends to ever do it. Yeah. Travis Kelsey didn't need Taylor Swift to be the talk, you know, yeah. the, the talk of, uh, of the, of the football sphere. However, it doesn't hurt to get Taylor Swift in your corner. So let's just get that straight. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Swifties are crazy. Uh, I, 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 I don't really know how the dynamic's going to work because she's an Eagles fan. Yeah. Um. So obviously sabotage, sabotage, sabotage with infiltration. Yeah. Maybe some infiltration. Um. But however, I again, I I just don't really care about the relationship. They can do whatever they want. Swifties are crazy. Sam, to end the episode though, I need your prediction. What's going to be the better combo? Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Or what's going to be the better combo at the end of the season? Tra- Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift or Jason Kelsey and DeAndre Swift? Oh. Who's the better Kelsey oh, Swift? That's good. Who's the better Kelsey Swift? That's good. I like this question. Oh, man. You know, I think Taylor knew Travis was trouble when he walked in. Let's go. So give it DeAndre Swift and Jason. Okay. I mean, 
They're killing it. I mean, look yeah, like they're 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 Dude, <laughs> that's not nice. We look at who who did what. What did uh, Travis Kelsey do to the Eagles last year? Right in the Super Bowl. So yeah, I'll, I'll there go. You go. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Why the hell? <laughs> there you go. Hard hitting analysis. To end <laughs> yeah. But that is going to wrap it up for episode 103. Pretty long episode. Got a lot of good stuff in there. Talked about the great college football slate. Talked about our teams. A rough weekend for the boys this past this past weekend. Um, talked about the trouble that's going on with Iowa football. Just the broken record that it is the problems with the coaching staff. The nepotism that is so clear. But... Of course, we went into our pick'em. Sam has a one-point lead and finished off with some questions. But before the official sign-off, big announcement. We talked about our merch, right? We've showed it on the YouTube. If you are not watching the YouTubes, you should. We have we have sweatshirts, long sleeve shirts, t-shirts, hats. Well, our merch store is officially live you can find the link in the description below we've also tweeted it it's on our instagram you can find it all over it's in our bio our if, if you miss the tweet um but yeah it's it's in there our link tree has it uh, a lot of good stuff so make sure to check it out for sure make sure to check it out let us know if you get anything we will shout you out on the pod if you do that is going to wrap it up for episode 103 the clock has run out on this episode We'll see you in the next one on Crunch Time. Yar.